Welcome to another episode of the ADHD Families Podcast. Now, I'm so excited to have you here today, and I have got a very special guest. It's Melinda Gibson. She is the a child psychologist, and she owns Muse Psychology. She's also helped my family tremendously throughout the years. So I am so excited that she's here to share some of her wisdom about what she does with our beautiful kids and how she can help them. Hello, I'm Sharon Collin and you are listening to the ADHD Families Podcast. I am a mum of three beautiful boys with ADHD. I love being a mum, but my home life was absolute chaos and the stress of daily life had a terrible effect on my health. My husband had so many horror-filled stories of growing up with ADHD that I decided I wanted to change the experience for my little boys. So I got to work and I systematically changed and streamlined my family's lives to suit the ADHD brain. And now that I have my family on track, I want to help yours. Do you want a life with your beautiful kids that is more functional, fun, and full of joy? Let's explore together the wonderful and sometimes wacky world of raising kids with ADHD. Hi, Sharon. Thanks for having me. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank so you. you. Let's, let's get started today. I want to have a chat to you a little bit about what it is and why you do it. Okay, so I am a child psychologist and I love my job because I see it as um, helping make kids' lives easier and happier. Um, why I do it? So I used to be a piano teacher for 17 years and in that time I saw lots of different learning brains and personalities and that um, inspired me to get an interest in giftedness, ADHD, autism, anxiety, and I found that um, music actually was really great for all different types of, of brains. Um, so that was probably what sparked my interest. Um, I had been on holiday in Africa and the we were on a bus in the Okavanka Delta and it was coming in to a little village on the sand and it slid on the sand and actually um, it was horrible but the bus hit a family and on our tour group we had all of these um, medical professionals so firefighters um, osteopaths nurses and I saw them all jump into action wanting to help this family and I really wanted to help the family but I felt a bit helpless so I came back to Australia and thought I really want to help how can I use my skill set so I went and volunteered as a music therapist at Sydney Children's Hospital which I absolutely loved and that just really then uh, nurtured that desire to help even more and so with all of those combined experiences, I decided to go and study psychology, which was very much a long path of doing that um, while raising my own children, um, but absolutely worth it. And I guess why children? Um, I love kids. I grew up having four 
siblings who were a lot younger than me. So I always just found working with kids really easy, really enjoyable. They're so innocent and it um, really, you know, uh, it's just fun. It's so much fun working with kids. Oh, and one of the things that you do really well uh, from a mum perspective, you know, dropping my sons over to have a chat to you, is that you engage them through play and things. Would you say that is the major difference between, say, a child psychologist and an adult psychologist? Like how do those two things differ? Um, so absolutely, a child psychologist needs to be um, engaging, fun, um, able to connect with children of all, all ages. Um, obviously, like one of the most common psychology treatment options is uh, cognitive behavioural therapy, but that's not always the best approach for children, especially young children. Um, we see children from age two and up, so we really have to be able to use creative play, games, arts, crafts, technology, fidget toys, um, we've even got Zupa Dupas in the freezer for bad days. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, wonderful. And one of the things that I sent, I would like to know a little bit about why parents come to you. Now, I, one of the reasons that I love child psychology and I, I always say like the ADHD dream team is multi, like lots of different professionals. You know, we've got a, a child psychologist. We perhaps have an ADHD or a coach or a parent mentor. We have, you know, the devel developmental pediatrician. We have an OT. Sometimes we have a speech therapist. You know, these are all the people that we gather on our dream team. And one of the most important roles that I view for a child psychologist is for my kids, from a mum perspective, from my for my kids to have a neutral party to talk to about their concerns. Because sometimes kids don't always like to tell their parents everything or perhaps as they get older into teenage years, it's just so nice to have someone that's not your parents to talk through, you know, what they're going through uh, you know, with a neutral person or someone that they perceive is on their team. Uh, can you tell me, some, you know, maybe that or some other reasons why parents would come to you? Um, that's a great question. So I, I, it's really interesting because kids will come in and tell me something and we very much at Ms Psychology include parents. Um, so we often get them in at the beginning and get some feedback on what they've found challenging and then um, at the end as well where we kind of collaborate back with them about what's happened in that session while at the same time maintaining the confidentiality of the child. And we're really clear about that with the parents. But um, the children will often tell us things and, and they're very happy for us to share that with the parents at the end. They just don't know how to, to deliver that themselves. So it's a great way where we can get something that's, you know, a weight off their shoulders in a really collaborative, um, kind way for everybody. Um, that's one thing. The other thing is that, as you know, a household has so many elements to it and it's never just the child's fault or the child's issues. It's always, you know, everybody, it's a system and we all, we have to shift parts of the system. So a psychologist is really good at 
looking holistically uh, at the system while bearing in mind what's going on for the child, whether it's ADHD or autism and, and their needs um, within that system. So, Excellent. So tell me what sort of con uh, conditions you're seeing in your practice at the moment. You know, what what are some of the, you know, obviously this is an ADHD podcast, but I know that ADHD almost is never by itself. So tell me about what sort of things you guys are assisting with in your practice. Well, ADHD is very much one of the most prominent issues that we are seeing or challenges, I should say. Um, autism, anxiety, depression, would be the the four main ones um, that that we see most frequently. And if you were giving advice, you know, just perhaps there's a family out there that's considering getting a child psychologist um, to assist their their child. Um, how would uh, what, what's some questions that you could ask uh, from a parent point of view? Like, what sort of questions could you ask the psychologist to check that they are a, you know, a great asset to your team? Um, I would say, are the parents included um, mm -hmm. as part of the child's treatment? Um, that's a big one. Uh, secondly, um, what type of treatment modalities do they use? For example, um, games, creative play, um, as well as CBT if, if needed, um, and so, yeah, the, the treatment uh, mediums that the psychologists use and um, whether they've got experience treating the condition that your child wouldn't be getting treatment for. Um, and that would be the questions that I would ask, but I would also say that word of mouth and collaborating with your GP is are, are the really great ways of getting the right psychologist for you. GPs are always a good starting point, um, but speaking with people that you know that have had experience with um, psychologists and, and they, they've often got, I've got the person for you kind of approach. Mm. Now, this is a bit of a tricky question, and I'm, I'm not sure that there is an answer to this, um, but sometimes we get, you know, I, I hear a lot of feedback from our parents that we have trouble getting our kids to appointments. So there's a bit of an appointment avoidance going on. Um, now, the beautiful thing with you is that my kids actually want to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's nice. so that's that's the best feedback you can get because, you know, uh, yeah, sometimes they don't want to go to two things but they they do always want to go to you so how can we get um our kids to do you have any tips on how we can get them to the appointments or maybe yeah something along that appointment avoidance thing because that keeps coming up in our community um well i i'm loving the that you know one of the positive things that came out of covid was the accessibility for telehealth and so that's often a, a more passive way of getting them to attend. Um, it's in, you know, technology for the kids that love technology. It, it doesn't require them to get in the car. Um, so that can be a, a nice interim, I guess, towards, and you can even jumble up some via telehealth and some in the practice. I think also trying to make it a pleasant experience to and from. So sometimes I have parents whose children are 
historically quite avoidant, they will make it a little bit of a treat after the session. Um, that makes it worth their while. um and i i do think that if you pick the right psychologist Mm. for your child they do want to come because there's that rapport there and Mm. particularly when there's games involved um and obviously we don't play games the entire session but that there is a carrot there for that too it's not just going to go and sit there and talk and talk and talk and be bored Now, thinking about ADHD specifically, what are some strategies that you usually use with our beautiful kids with ADHD? Yeah, so um, I I find it really important to to frame ADHD in a positive way. So often the kids with ADHD have come and there's a bit of a negative. persona, I guess, around that. Kids at school say nasty things. Um, They feel like academically they may not be thriving, that kind of background. Whereas I just see ADHD as being a bunch of superpowers and we just need to harness them correctly. So giving them that positivity around the diagnosis Secondly, we've always got fidget toys available. Um, so they know that that's always accessible just to make make sure that that need for, for the kids that do like to have sensory stimulus can, can access that. Um, we also use lots of like obviously visually engaging um, mediums because often the ADHD brain loves visual stuff. Uh, so, um, yeah, that, that would be some of the main ways that we engage ADHD children. Amazing. And, um, I know that my son has reported back that he wants the cushion on your lounge, you know, the cushion that does the sparkly, like the changing colors. (laughs) Yeah. The sequence cushion is a really big hit. It's just office works guys. Nice and cheap. (laughs) So thinking about uh, sensory needs, you did mention, you did touch on that just then. And we know that, you know, kids are either, and they can change between the two, like sensory seekers or sensory avoiders. And sometimes those sensory seeking behaviours can be, you know, like we've got to sort of increase their sensory diet to help them meet their sensory needs. Uh, Do you have any pointers for parents? You know, like we obviously we know about fidget toys and things like that, but maybe some other things that, Um, parents can do to sort of help fill that sensory bucket? Um, What I would say um, is that you're right, every, every child is different and what they gravitate to is different. But we want them to gain an understanding of what it is that they seek or avoid. Mm. Um, So empowering the child to understand their their own sensory diet instead of the parents kind of preempting it and trying to meet that need for them. So, for example, we have a poster which every client when they come gets and that poster has, I'm not sure, like over 30 different sensory options and it's a big A3 poster and the kids can go to that and say this is what I feel like right now. And so the parent's job becomes then directing them to the poster rather than saying, here, grab that, here, take that, what about this? Um, So we want to give empower the child to meet their own sensory needs. 
And the schools are getting a lot better at this as well. They've got sensory corners in the classrooms so that the child can go and pick up things that they want or put their headphones on. Headphones are becoming a lot more acceptable now to block out noise. Oh, you just touched on school there and it got me thinking. (laughs) Um, Can we talk a little bit about how you would help, like different ways that you could help uh, our beautiful kids with ADHD at school. Now, some some are great at masking at school and like it all explodes at home, uh, but others really, really struggle in the school in, in the school environment. Can you tell us about sort of common things that you would um, see in your practice, and also maybe some some strategies of or things that you would work with the kids on? And I guess this relates to your question earlier: is what what else does a child psychologist do? Mm. And we very much advocate for our clients um, with schooling systems. We liaise with their treatment team when when that's um, going to be helpful. And so sometimes it's actually educating the teacher on what that child specifically needs, liaising with the teacher around what the challenges are in the classroom and helping the teachers um, with strategies. So we spend a lot of time um, collaborating, I guess. So in terms of the school system, I just think awareness Hmm. of, of the child's diagnosis and awareness of what's going what's helpful for that specific child is is really important and would could people and I know I have done this a few times over the years like I've sent an OT into the school I've sent um, a psychologist into the school you know in in the past to get them to observe what's happening in the school so you know they've got someone else that's not you know that, that is literally trained to watch for the child's cues to see what is happening before things escalate is that something that people can ask their psychologists to do for them um they can it depends on the practice mm-hmm. uh, whether they offer in school services or not um and Often there's behavioural therapists as well that will go in. The OTs and behaviour therapists do a lot of work in schools and then Mm -hmm. we get that feedback Mm -hmm. as well. So that's another way of doing that. So yes, yes to both of those options. Yes. And so tell me about, you know, thinking about all the different practices or different sorts of therapies that people use for their, to help their child. How do you guys all communicate with each other? Is this just by letters or do you have relationships with certain paediatricians? You know, how do, how do we get all those, uh, be across all the dream team? So um, there's sometimes people will request reports mm-hmm. to be written. Um, we have reporting obligations as psychologists back to the GP if you're using a mental health treatment plan. Um, if you're using NDIS funding, we write reports um, as part of funding reviews and parents can ask for reports to be written for paediatricians or um, if if they've got an upcoming appointment. 
We also organise multidisciplinary meetings. Mm. So sometimes that will include principal, um, school teacher, learning support, OT, speech therapists. Um, it can include their medical practitioners as well, paediatricians, if, if it's relevant. Um, and actually uh, Medicare have just allocated some some rebatable sessions for multidisciplinary uh, sessions. Um, mm-hmm. so that's I exciting. didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> that is exciting. Yeah, yeah. so um, there's a combination of ways. Sometimes we just pick up the phone and it's a very quick phone call um, with whoever it, it relates to that we need to get some information from or deliver some information to. Now, we know that, you know, I know from working with parents that sometimes the parents getting a lot of negative feedback about their child, right? And it can be quite isolating, like you want to kind of pull back from social situations or perhaps sporting teams or, you know, you, you, you want to kind of end up, you know, just staying in your house a little bit um, with that negative feedback. Is there any advice that you could give? You know, obviously you see a lot of parents. You talk to a lot of parents before and after the session and you know what's, you know, you know how beautiful these kids are and how much they're struggling. Is there any advice that you can give to parents that perhaps are feeling that way, you know, feeling that negative feedback and isolation that can come as a, as a parent of someone with extra needs? It's it's really um, a challenging position for parents. I I know that your podcast has really talked about this as well in previous episodes. I um, I love to give parents hope, and the same way that we love to reframe ADHD in a positive light. Um, it's the same with parents, we, and that's where we collaborate with parents in session as well. I love the analogy that um, Spider-Man has these superpowers and in one of the movies he actually um, goes to a warehouse and and practices harnessing these superpowers because if he didn't, he would web himself. And the same thing applies for kids with ADHD, parents of kids with ADHD. We need to just work together together to harness these ADHD superpowers Um, and that requires persistence, hope, encouragement, trying and trying again, um, educating people as well, Um, being able to let go at the same time, you know, like there's always going to be people who are judgmental. It's just unavoidable so understanding that you can't please everybody so you do you and the right um the right people will be a part of your dream team or your dream society team Mm, i love that and i love the superman (laughs) i'm the The spider-man analogy yes (laughs) Because so much, there, you know, I, I even know from working with adults with ADHD is sometimes they feel like they can't change it, like they kind of get locked. And I know as a parent I felt this way as well. Like you just in those moments that you bit down, you feel like, oh, like it can't get, we can't improve, we can't get any better. But, you know, there's neuroplasticity. We're all changing. We're all changing all the time. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, we are. And I just, I... <laughs> feel like um 
you want to align yourself with people who who are willing to support you while you tweak some things and we're all tweaking things none of us are perfect right Hmm. so yeah and thinking about like you know a little bit of a trigger warning here but you know we know that with ADHD there is a bit of an increase of you know increase of drug use increase of suicide risk increase of incarceration those sorts of things is there any you know that's obviously in the back of a lot of parents minds um is there any advice that you could give to help safeguard our kids against some of those things um i think that if you have supported your child from as young as possible to develop some really good habits and a good understanding of their ADHD and um, just feeling positive about it. There's a lot of very successful people who have ADHD. Um, Again, why it's full of superpowers. So just, you know, educating the kids on people who have been very successful with with ADHD and providing just reassurance that it we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure out anything that is um, not working. We might not know the answer right now, but we will get there. And, you know, a lot of people, I guess it's avoiding the what if cycle. What if this happens and what if that happens and what if they become addicted? And we can never know what what if it's mm. always guessing, assuming, and that's anxiety land. So focusing on what is what is it that we know right now? And right now you have a beautiful group of friends. Right now you've got some supportive teachers. Right now I'm, we've got a great treatment team. So just say, staying focused on what is happening right now and what is working. Obviously helping direct them to... Um, great peers peers that lift them up not bring them down um is is you know really important as well now thinking about those teenage years (laughs) and we know that they can be some of the years that are the hardest for our beautiful kids and you know like it's very it gets a bit tricky for parents to work out what are normal teenage behaviors and pushing the boundaries and what is what are ADHD behaviors so you don't know how hard to go because you know you don't know what is I can't versus I won't a lot of the time Uh, do you have any advice for parents like myself included uh, that have teenagers at home um I think communicating with them mm. it, it's it we often get into just busy lives of do this and do that and why aren't you doing this and just trying to pause and and converse with them they're actually really insightful teenagers of you know I, I know that they don't have fully functioning brains and they might not be able to <laughs> assess risks and all of that as well as a 25 year old but they are they have a lot of great things to say and they can tell you what's hard for them. Um, It's just often finding the quiet. The quiet moments are hard in busy 2023 lives. 
Um, and I guess that's where psychology comes in because we get that forced quiet mm. moment with parents and with children. Um, but I also think that not like I'm not a big believer in, in making huge allowances either. Like we all have to function together. So whether it's teenage behaviour or ADHD behaviour, if it's a problematic behaviour, we still need to, to, you know, work at improving that. Mm. So I, while I think ADHD is awesome and full of superpowers, it, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be harnessed in the right way. We've got to teach our kids the skills at the yes. end of the day, don't they? <laughs> they need to have the skills. And uh, tell me a little bit, if, if you were going to leave our beautiful listeners who are parents of kids with ADHD most likely, um, if you were going to leave them with three things that they could perhaps do now or three key takeaways that they could, they could do now or work with their kids on, what would those three things be? Um, I th- I would really encourage parents to help children learn to self-manage their regulation instead of parents managing regulation for them. Um, it From eight plus years, that's definitely an expectation mm. that the children can learn that. And um, the problem with the meltdowns that can happen lead to the most damage in the children's self-esteem. So helping empower them with the skills to self-regulate is worth its weight in gold. Um, So that would be number one. Um, The second thing I would say is providing consistency, predictability, Um, and a sense of competency within the children's lives. We all love as humans life to be pretty consistent, pretty predictable. It keeps our anxiety low and helping set up an environment where the child can feel really competent. Um, The third thing would be that sleep. Please, please check your child's sleep. Often there are problems with with sleep. Uh, for example, you know, I've had some clients with ADHD and it's it's treated with um, medication and, and all of the right dream team and we're still not quite getting it where we would expect and it turns out that they've got um, restless leg syndrome, a periodic limb disorder, uh, um, yeah, that periodic limb syndrome. Sorry, mm-hmm. I don't think I've got that right. But um, so getting their sleep right is really important because it forms the foundation for everything else. I love that advice. And I think they are three very, very key Uh, you know, points for parents to take home. Thank you so much for your time today, Melinda. I've enjoyed our chat so much. Thank you for having me, Sharon. It's been really, really lovely um, to chat about kids and and lots of ADHD stuff. So awesome. Thank Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the ADHD Families Podcast. If you loved it, please share it on your socials. I want this to start a conversation about ADHD. If you want to make this mum do a little happy dance, please leave a review on iTunes. If you would like to know more about what we do, check out thefunctionalfamily.com. 
I truly hope that you enjoyed this podcast and you use it to create a wonderful, effective, joyful life with your beautiful children.